Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Good morning, Key. Good morning, Jay. Cracking, lacking, lacking. What's going on? I just, just got back from Vegas late last night. Had to sit Did on you the enjoy the fight, Max? Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't been. You know, since the since pre-pandemic, that's only the second fight I've worked um, because, you know, travel was shut down for a while and then things got reorganized. And But that was uh, – I did Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3, which was a, an all-time great heavyweight slugfest. And then this one, Devin Haney and uh, Vasily Lomachenko, which was for the undisputed lightweight title and a great fight. I mean – Did you did you agree with the final assessment? I mean, uh, look, here's the truth, okay? I'm scoring the fight, but where they have me is a perch from the podium where we're, I'm hosting. Uh-huh. And – so, like, I need to watch it on – I got to watch the replay. My live score, I had Lomachenko winning seven rounds to five. But what, what everyone universally acknowledged was there were at least five, maybe more swing rounds, meaning that round really could have gone either way. So when you have that many rounds that could go either way, and, and, and they went Haney's way, and he got an unpopular unanimous decision. So Did you screw your scores up? <laughs> no, not as far as I know. Nope, I don't think so. I had well, I seven. Scored, pump- I scored it five to three. Well, that. What about the other four <laughs> rounds? Okay. <laughs> the thing. The thing about it is, uh, I had the same score that most people had, which is one fifteen, one thirteen, Lomachenko, meaning seven rounds to five, but. Even among people who had the same score, the rounds they scored were different. It just tells you how crazy hard it was to score that fight. But I am going to lay out this Friday on Max Unboxing, 5 p.m. Eastern, ESPN2. I'm going to lay out a changing to the boxing scoring system that will fix everything. I'm going to fix it. Been thinking about this for all, years. I'm going to fix it. You're going to make us all, wait all the way until Friday yep. for it? You can't fix it for us right now on Monday? You really, I'm going to do it in front of a crowd that understands the fight game a little bit more. It will be lost on Key, I feel. I don't think he – you know, he just had it five rounds to three, for example. <laughs> See what I mean, Jay? So we're, <laughs> let's, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, I'll do it, uh, you know, when people uh, are interested in boxing or listening. Jay. Why are you doing that to me? Why, why does this happen? Why do people get mad at the person laughing at the joke instead of the person telling the joke? Hmm. Why does that happen? I don't know that they do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're just saying it to you. I don't know if there's some. Have you noticed a general thing where the person laughing gets it, or are you just talking about Key doing it to you? I'm just saying that's like Key getting mad at me for a joke that you told. I'm not getting mad. What makes you? That doesn't mean I'm getting mad. What does it mean? (laughs) Little smarty pants. See, see, Max. Hmm. See the underlying tone there. How was you your weekend, guys? What, how, how, how'd it go? Well, I mean, it was fine other than Saturday. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, really, I mean, if you really want to know, it's just sad. Um, I, I, it's sad I, when you know you're going to lose and nothing you can do sit there. Hey, hey goodbye. <laughs> goodbye now. And the way it happened, they were within striking distance all game. It was Man, close. Man, we were straight. Yeah, you, every, and all you got to do is, is nip that one, and it's two to one. You defend home court. It's a series. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. We were straight. It just all of a sudden, they just 
out the gate, though, Murray just was just ridiculous, though, out the gate. It's like, what are we going to do? Nothing. Because when you have a guy like that, really, he plays at MVP level in the playoffs, and you already got a guy like that in Jokic. So now you look at the rest of the quality of the team. you got quality starters wherever you look, guys off the bench. What are you going to do? Jay, then we were straight, right? Then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter came, and it just, I don't know, late in the fourth, it just seemed like, I don't know what it was. And then even LeBron was knocking down early threes deep. He take a shot. I'm like, you know, the first thing I know. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Right. Okay. He stroke it. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. He hit. He knocked it down. Okay. We rolling. But it just – and then D-Lo, D- he need to go on and just – Jay, what, what was the stat? About the him. stat that Jay said last segment was just bananas. Minus 50 what? It's a plus. Minus 53 when he's on the court when – when he's off the court, the Lakers are plus 31. The Lakers are actually up 3-0 in this series. It's just uh, they played D-Lo. Otherwise, they're up 3-0 apparently. It, well, the, the thing that comes down to is that at the end of the day, you guys need another ball handler who can create a shot mm-hmm. and can make life easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, yo, Austin Reeves. Shout out to Austin Reeves, Key, though. Yo, he's – that no, dude Austin be putting Reeves in work, is, man. He's a guy. Even he had Bruce Brown. like uniform, literally. but he's straight. He, 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 he ugly, whatever you want to call key. He hooping, man. He got no, he Bruce hooping. Brown like tippy toeing everywhere. He can no, play. He hooping, he can play, he hooping big time. He still got ugly uniform, dress code. That's all. But look, Jay, let me ask you this because you're a basketball guy. How 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 do the Philadelphia? How do the Phil, How do first of all? How do Chicago? How do Minnesota? And how do Philadelphia not figure out that Jimmy Butler is a guy that can wield his team to victory? How can they not figure that out? Well, I mean, Chicago did. There are some things around, you know, D. Rose and Jimmy. Um, and D. Rose, obviously, from a talent perspective, was different. You got – I mean, Philly was an interesting situation. I, I was listening to a pod the other day with J.J. And, and, um, and Jimmy when they were talking about, you know, how Brett Brown handled certain things in the locker room and how Jimmy felt like – he was kind of done with that team because they never really held their players accountable, which is a really fascinating thing to say to go back and revisit when J.J.'s pod was because that theme is carrying on now. It's the same thing that you're thinking about Philadelphia as it relates to now. Like, are you actually holding the superstars accountable? I mean, um, so I, I think it's just the godfather of basketball, man, Pat Riley. Dude, the same reason LeBron James went down to Miami is the same reason that Jimmy Butler is now thriving in the Miami Heat uniform. Their whole culture. Keith, do you know that part of their culture, they have a, a, a weight hit that you have to, like literally, if you cross over a certain weight, like if you don't play in two games, you have to do a certain level of conditioning. Like where your body fat cannot drop below a certain point or you're not going to play. Like So there are certain standards that they have there, which a lot of teams or a lot of players don't like to rock with because it's, they hold you accountable, man. And that's that's a culture in which Jimmy Butler is able to thrive. You knew when he, si- when he signed there in the first place, it's like I just imagine Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler having a conversation. They speak the same language, right? Eric Spolstra, same language. He's the perfect guy for that franchise. And I have to admit, I never thought he, with this cast of characters, would lead them as far as he has consistently every year. And then this year, if it looks better than ever. But I did think, boy, that's, a, that's the perfect signing for that franchise, right? Like, man, he's not good enough to be the best player in a championship team, but he could be the second best player. He could prime 
the situation for the superstar. No, man. He lo- he's ta- every, every step of his career, guys, he comes in the league as a defensive stopper. Then a guy, a defensive stopper, could give you 20 points sometimes. Then a guy who could do that consistently. Then a guy who could play, be an all-star you know, year in and year out. Then a high-level all-star. By the end of this season, we might be sitting there going, that's the best player in basketball. It's possible. It's possible. It's nuts. Anderson in Queens, you're on KJM. Anderson. Or no Anderson. I guess not. Anderson doesn't. He waited and waited and waited to yeah. talk to us on the show. He's not ready. Key, I w- I w- hold on, Max. If Anderson's not there, Key, I want to ask you something. Because I, I, I saw it. No, I'm just curious how you would, if you would do something like this. So, Ron, at the end of the game, pretty much leaving the court with time left on the clock and kind of standing on the sideline. Did you ever, did you, did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. You got any any concern, any issue with that or nah? No, nah, it's over with. It ain't. I mean, I've left a I've left the field with ticks left on the clock and kept it pushing to the locker room. Well, nothing you know, ain't nothing you could do. What I'm gonna do? Stand around there and watch people hug each other and talk about what they're gonna do in the off season? No, I'm going to my locker room, man. I ain't got time to talk to y'all. Okay. I mean, I just, I, you know, I've done it. I've I've literally left the field with. 30, 40 seconds to go, whatever you want to call it. Walk straight to the locker room. You know, getting back to uh, to Jimmy Butler, when you think, as you guys were discussing, <clears throat> the franchises he left, talk about vindication, right? All those young, talented teams, they were all in contention or trending toward it. And he had a problem in certain stops with the, the, the guy who was supposed to be a superstar for that team, right? Or the culture or whatever. Chicago, Minnesota, uh, who am I missing? Uh, uh, Philadelphia, right? And think of where those teams are and think of where the Heat are right now. It's it's a unique story, I think, in the history of the NBA. um, Since he's left, Jay, since he left those organizations, he will probably be in two finals, even though he hadn't won, but he'll be in two. They've been in none. Think about it. No He's been in two, even. and mean, they've been in none. The situation with Carlton Towns was pretty well documented um, in Minnesota, right? And then obviously you got the Philly situation, which I just made mention of. It, it, it's look the, the Miami Heat just have. I think one of the reasons I'm excited for the NBA Finals for them is because we're going to get a chance to learn about a lot of these players. Like Caleb Martin, like literally like one of the main reasons Caleb Martin, like Karan Butler sent me a text. Uh, we were going through it just about how J. Cole helped him get on the Miami Heat and how this dude has just worked his tail off. And once again, like in, guys who are undrafted, man, the route they have to take to get there, the fact that we're talking about this team in the NBA Finals as probably the best team in basketball. Now, Denver has more talent. Um but from a, just a, a team perspective, to overcome these odds, man, like I've never seen what the Miami Heat have done before like this at this level with some of these players. See, it, 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 I go back to that again, OJ. You say more talent. How could that be if a team is is in the championship? I just don't. Well, I don't can, know. I, I, you can I say a team subscribe. is more. Ta- you can say a team is more talented. Doesn't mean they're a better team, right? They're two different things. Yeah, meantime, talented, 
you, like you guys, you, you said it earlier, all those teams he left haven't even been in a conference finals. Jimmy Butler, he's been in three of the last four, and very likely two of, two of the last four finals. And, by the way, there is a chance that he chips up this year. Imagine that. 888-SAY-ESPN. Lakers fans, are you ready to apologize to Denver? And has, has D'Angelo Russell's performance, or, or whatever you want to call it, I mean, has it made it a done deal that the Lakers got to go after Kyrie? KJM. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Good morning, Key. Good morning, Jay. What's cracking, lacking, lacking? What's going on? I just just got back from Vegas late last night. Had to sit Did on you the enjoy the fight, Max? Max? Oh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't been. You know, since the since pre-pandemic, that's only the second fight I've worked um, because, you know, travel was shut down for a while and then things got reorganized. And But that was uh, – I did Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3, which was a, an all-time great heavyweight slugfest. And then this one, Devin Haney and uh, Vasily Lomachenko, which was for the undisputed lightweight title and a great fight. I mean did – you, Did you agree with the final assessment? I mean, uh, look, here's the truth, okay? I'm scoring the fight, but where they have me is a perch from the podium where we're, I'm hosting. Uh-huh. And – so, like, I need to watch it on – I got to watch the replay. My live score, I had Lomachenko winning seven rounds to five. But what, what everyone universally acknowledged was there were at least five, maybe more swing rounds, meaning that round really could have gone either way. So when you have that many rounds that could go either way, and, and, and they went Haney's way, and he got an unpopular unanimous decision. So Did you screw your scores up? <laughs> no, not as far as I know. Nope, I don't think so. I had well, I seven. Scored, mu- I scored it five to three. Well, that. What about the other four <laughs> rounds? Okay. <laughs> the thing. The thing about it is, uh, I had the same score that most people had, which is one fifteen, one thirteen, Lomachenko, meaning seven rounds to five, but. Even among people who had the same score, the rounds they scored were different. It just tells you how crazy hard it was to score that fight. But I am going to lay out this Friday on Max Unboxing, 5 p.m. Eastern, ESPN2. I'm going to lay out a changing to the boxing scoring system that will fix everything. I'm going to fix it. Been thinking about this for years. I'm going to fix it. You can make us wait all the way until Friday for it? You can't fix it for us right now on Monday? 
Do you really? I'm going to do it in front of a crowd that understands the fight game a little bit more. It would be lost on Key, I feel. I don't think he, you know, he just had it five rounds to three, for example. <laughs> See what I mean, Jay? So we're, <laughs> let's, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, I'll do it, uh, you know, when people uh, who are interested in boxing or listening. Jay. Why are you doing that to me? Why, why does this happen? Why do people get mad at the person laughing at the joke instead of the person telling the joke? Hmm. Why does that happen? I don't know that they do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's just saying it to you. I don't know if there's some. Have you noticed a general thing where the person laughing gets it, or are you just talking about Key doing it to you? I'm just saying that's like Key getting mad at me for a joke that you told. I'm not getting mad. What makes you? That doesn't mean I'm getting mad. What does it mean? (laughs) Little smarty pants. See, see, Max. Mm. See the underlying tone there. How was you your weekend, guys? What, how how did it go? Well, I mean, it was fine other than Saturday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, I mean, if you really want to know, it's just sad. Um, I, I, it's sad I, when you know you're going to lose and nothing you can do sit there. Hey, hey, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye now. And the way it happened, they were within striking distance all game. It was Man, close. Man, we were straight. Yeah, you have every, and all you got to do is, is nip that one, and it's two to one. You defend home court. It's a series. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Well, it was straight. It just all of a sudden, they just out the gate, though. Murray just was just ridiculous, though, out the gate. It's like, what are we going to do? Nothing. Because when you have a guy like that, really, he plays at MVP level in the playoffs, and you already got a guy like that in Jokic. So now you look at the rest of the quality of the team. You got quality starters wherever you look, guys off the bench. What are you going to do? Jay, then we were straight, right? Then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter came, and it just, I don't know, late in the fourth, it just seemed like, I don't know what it was. And then even LeBron was knocking down early threes deep. He'd take a shot. I'm like, you know, the first thing I know, oh, oh, yeah, hell, that's yeah. right, okay, he's stroking. And I was like, oh, no, oh, yeah, he hit, he knocked it down. Okay, we rolling. But it just, and then D, D-Lo, he need to go on and just, whew. Jay, what was the stat? The stat that Jay said last segment was just bananas. Minus fifty, what? Minus fifty-three when he's on the court. When, when he's off the court, the Lakers are plus thirty-one. The Lakers are actually up three-zero in this series. It's just uh, they played D'Lo. Otherwise, they're up three-zero. Apparently. Well, the the thing that comes down to is that at the end of the day, you guys need another ball handler who can create a shot Mm -hmm. and can make life easier for everybody. It's yeah. like, yo, Austin Reeves, shout out to Austin Reeves, Key, though. Yo, he's, that dude no, be pulling in work, man. He's a guy. Even he had Bruce Brown, like, uniform, literally. But he's straight. He, 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 he <laughs> ugly, whatever you want to call Key, he hooping, man. He got no, he Bruce hooping. Brown, like, tippy-toeing everywhere. He can no, play. He hooping, he can play, he hooping big time. He still got ugly uniform, dress code, that's all. But look, Jay, let me ask you this because you're a basketball guy. How, how, how do the Philadelphia, how do the Philadelphia, how do, first of all, how do Chicago, how do Minnesota, and how did Philadelphia not figure out that Jimmy Butler is a guy that can wield his team to victory? How can they not figure that out? Well, I mean, Chicago did. There are some things around, you know, D. Rose and Jimmy. Um, and D. Rose, obviously, from a talent perspective, was different. You got – I mean, Philly was an interesting situation. I, I was listening to a pod the other day with J.J. and, and, um, and Jimmy when they were talking about – you know, how Brett Brown handled certain things in the locker room and how Jimmy felt like he was kind of done with that team because they never really held their players accountable. 
which is a really fascinating thing to say to go back and revisit when J.J.'s pod was because that theme is carrying on now. It's the same thing that you're thinking about Philadelphia as it relates to now. Like, are you actually holding the superstars accountable? I mean, um, so I, I think it's just the godfather of basketball, man, Pat Riley. Dude, the same reason LeBron James went down to Miami is the same reason that Jimmy Butler is now thriving in the Miami Heat uniform. Their whole culture. Keith, do you know that part of their culture, they have a, a, a weight hit that you have to, like literally, if you cross over a certain weight, like if you don't play in two games, you have to do a certain level of conditioning. Like where your body fat cannot drop below a certain point or you're not going to play. Like So there are certain standards that they have there, which a lot of teams or a lot of players don't like to rock with because it's they hold you accountable, man. And that's that's a culture in which Jimmy Butler is able to thrive. You knew when he si- when he signed there in the first place, it's like I just imagine Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler having a conversation. They speak the same language, right? Eric Spolstra, same language. He's the perfect guy for that franchise. And I have to admit, I never thought he, with this cast of characters, would lead them as far as he has consistently every year. And then this year, if it looks better than ever. But I did think, boy, that's, a, that's the perfect signing for that franchise, right? Like, man, he's not good enough to be the best player on a championship team, but he could be the second best player. He could prime the situation for the superstar. No, man, he lo- he's ta- every, every step of his career, guys, he comes in the league as a defensive stopper. Then a guy, a defensive stopper, could give you 20 points sometimes. Then a guy who could do that consistently. Then a guy who could play, be an all-star you know, year in and year out. Then a high-level all-star. By the end of this season, we might be sitting there going, that's the best player in basketball. It's possible. It's possible. It's nuts. Anderson in Queens, you're on KJM. Anderson. Or no Anderson. I guess not. Anderson doesn't. He waited and waited and waited to talk to us on the show. He's not ready. Key, I want, I want, hold on, Max. If Anderson's not there, Key, I want to ask you something. Because I, I, I saw it. No, I'm just curious how you would, if you would do something like this. So, Ron, at the end of the game, pretty much leaving the court with time left on the clock and kind of standing on the sideline. Did you ever, did you, did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. You got any, any concern, any issue with that or nah? No, nah, it's over with. It ain't, I mean, I've left a, I've left the field with ticks left on the clock and, Kept it pushing to the locker room. Well, nothing, you know, ain't nothing you could do. What I'm going to do, stand around there and watch people hug each other and talk about what they're going to do in the offseason. No, I'm going to my locker room, man. I ain't got time to talk to y'all. Okay. I mean, I just, I, you know, I've done it. I've, I've literally left the field with 30, 40 seconds to go, whatever you want to call it. Walk straight to the locker room. You know, getting back to, uh, to Jimmy Butler, when you think, as you guys were discussing <clears> – <throat> The franchises he left. Talk about vindication, right? All those young, talented teams. They were all in contention or trending toward it. And he had a problem in certain stops with the the guy who was supposed to be a superstar for that team, right? Or the culture or whatever. Chicago, Minnesota. uh, Who am I missing? Uh, uh, Philadelphia, right? And... Think of where those teams are and think of where the Heat are right now. It's, I, I, it is, it's a unique story, I think, in the history of the since NBA. He, um, since he's left, Jay, since he left those organizations, he will probably 
be in two finals, even though he hadn't won, but he'll be in two. They've been in none. Think about it. He's no been in two. Even. And mean, they've been in none. The situation with Carl Anthony Towns is pretty well documented um, in Minnesota. Right? And then obviously you got the Philly situation, which I just made mention of. It, it, it's Look, the, the Miami Heat just have – I think one of the reasons I'm excited for the NBA Finals for them is because we're going to get a chance to learn about a lot of these players. Like Caleb Martin. Like literally like one of the main reasons Caleb Martin – like Karan Butler sent me a text. Uh, we were going through it just about how J. Cole helped him get on the Miami Heat and how this dude has just worked his tail off. And once again, like an, guys who are undrafted, man, the route they have to take to get there, the fact that we're talking about this team in the NBA Finals as – Probably the best team in basketball. Now, Denver has more talent, um, but from a, just a, a team perspective to overcome these odds, man, like I've never seen what the Miami Heat have done before like this at this level with some of these players. See, it, 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 I go back to that again, OJ. You say more talent. How could that be if a team is is in the championship? I just don't Well, I don't know. You, I, I, you can I say a team subscribe. is more talent. You can say a team is more talented. Doesn't mean they're a better team, right? They're two different things. Yeah, Meantime, you, like you guys, you, you said it earlier. All those teams he left haven't even been in a conference finals. Jimmy Butler, he's been in three of the last four, and very likely two of two of the last four finals. And by the way, there is a chance that he chips up this year. Imagine that. Eight 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 say ESPN. Lakers fans, are you ready to apologize to Denver? And has has D'Angelo Russell's performance, or or whatever you want to call it, I mean, has it made it a done deal that the Lakers got to go after Kyrie KJM? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance and joined now by Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, former NFL executive. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? What's happening? 
doing We're ready, Mike T. We're ready for you today, baby. Let's Absolutely. go. Let's get it. Absolutely. We're going to be uh, asking some questions from Roz's 32 QB questions, which is available now on ESPN.com and ESPN+. Plus. Ready? Here we go. Here's the first question. Can Daniel Jones live up to his contract? And what are the implications if he doesn't, Mike T.? Well, I think he certainly can when you look at the offseason that the Giants have, starting with Darren Waller, getting him in a trade from the Raiders, drafting John Michael Schmitz center, and Jalen Hyatt. Max, as you've been asking for, that outside receiver. I think those are great consequential moves in terms of helping Daniel Jones. And look, because of the length of the contract, they could draft a quarterback next year or the year after. So I think Daniel Jones is a solid quarterback. I don't think he's great. Those three additions should help him play better than he did a year ago. Yeah, you mentioned those three, and, and also Paris Campbell coming over with the speed that can kill. So when you got guys on the perimeter like Hyatt and you got Campbell that can lift the coverage for a guy like Waller in between, you got Saquon Barkley in the backfield, he did plenty. And I think a lot of people look at the touchdown to interception ratio, and they go, oh, he only threw 15 touchdowns. But that was all by design. Now you're going to see something different. So I think he lives up to it. Okay, Mike T. Can Geno Smith do it again? And what happens if he doesn't? I think he can, Jay Will. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he can stay healthy, their first-round pick from Ohio State guys could be a true difference maker. And you think about with Lockett and DK Metcalf, that's a great receiver crew. And again, similar to Daniel Jones, guys, the length of his guaranteed money isn't much there, so it gives them optionality in the future. I think that was a win-win. Geno Smith gets the extension that he deserves. Seattle has some optionality going into next year's drafts, similar to the Giants. And you know, Mike, you know Seattle's philosophy. We're going to play solid, sound defense. We're going to build on that side. We're going to run the football, and we're going to allow our quarterback to make a handful of good plays for us, and we're going to get out of the building with a W. That's their philosophy. So certainly he's going to live up to the billing. Yeah, Geno Smith – Geno Smith is pretty good. I mean, you know, like you you predicted this. Pete Carroll, Jay, I mean, uh, Key, Pete Carroll knows what to do, and Geno Smith looked good for the first time, in my opinion, in 10 years in the league or whatever it's been. And uh, I never got to answer the Daniel Jones thing, so I'm going right back to it. Daniel Jones's contract is not – Daniel Jones's contract is not a big contract. It's not hard to live. It's not at the top of the market, and it's short. And they got better. Why don't you answer the question, Jay? <laughs> Daniel Jones going to live up to it or not? <laughs> I think Daniel Jones is fine for what he is, Max. I think he's fine for what he is. I think the right pieces around Daniel Jones for where the market dic- dictated his contract, I'm good with it. Jay, move into the same room as the microphone now so we can hear you. Try it again. All right. <laughs> Mike Tannenbaum, can Bill O'Brien save Mac Jones? If anybody can, it's Bill O'Brien. And they had two important moves in the offseason. Juju Smith-Schuster coming over as a free agent from Kansas City. And Mike Kosecki, the pass receiving tight end from the Miami Dolphins. Look, we know what happened last year. They didn't have enough weapons. And their offense just was run by a couple guys that didn't have the experience. So I think Mac Jones is a solid B quarterback. The problem, guys, is they're going up against a bunch of A's. There's seven great quarterbacks in the AFC. Hard to put Mac Jones in that category but I do think the Patriots will be better than they were a year ago on offense. I don't even know what save means when it comes to Mac Jones. Save him. I mean, I don't see him as a Super Bowl quarterback, even with Bill Belichick. I just don't see it. This is not the same as Tom Brady. And and I know a lot of people 
look at his rookie season and say, well, he threw completed 60-some percent of his passes. A lot of that was dink and dunk behind the line of scrimmage or slightly in front of the line of scrimmage. And Bill O'Brien certainly could get him back to that, but I don't see him as a long-term answer in New England. Yeah, the same thing, Key. I'm with you. I mean, and also, guys, look at that, that division. That division is so tough. I mean, we're talking about saving with Josh Allen, saving with Tua. I mean, saving with Aaron Rodgers all in that same division of the AFC East. I, I, just, I still don't see the Pats making the playoffs. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Uh-oh. Bill Belichick drafted the guy, coached him up. Now he's got his offensive coordinator that he wants there. They're coming in last in that division, and everyone knows it. Come on. I mean, like, come on. No, Mac Jones ain't it. And we're going to find out if Belichick is it when he doesn't have Tom Brady. Well, surprise me. Make the playoffs at least. Can Derek Carr be more in New Orleans than he was? Let me say that again. Can Derek Carr be more in New Orleans than he was with the Raiders, Mike T? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a team that's a little bit under the radar. You know, when you just think about how they're going to play I think this is a team that's going to be able to run the ball with Alvin Kamara. And if Michael Thomas can stay healthy, he is still a great receiver. Getting Chris Olave a year ago, uh, I think he has a chance to be a great receiver. So I think this team will play a little bit more conservative on offense, be efficient. I don't think there will be a lot of opportunities for Derek Carr to turn the ball over. And I think this team is going to be really hard to beat. And I think they're a little bit under the national radar right now. Yeah, I think so. I think they are the national uh, radar. Plus, there's a lot of Derek Carr haters out there that feel he's a certain type of quarterback, so they're going to push New Orleans down automatically. It's their division to, to lose. It's up to them if they want to take it. I mean, look, Mike T, Key's been talking about this team for a while now, and obviously you know, Michael Thomas playing on it is a big-time wideout. But it, it's like when you look at the stability that they would need from the quarterback position, I think Derek Carr is able to provide that. I, I, I would agree with you, Mike T. I do think they're a sleeper going into the season. He'll be the same as he was in, 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 uh, with the Raiders, which is good, but not great. And New Orleans will be the same, like the Raiders. You know, good, but not great. They're in a much softer division now. Uh, he's in a much softer division now, so maybe he'll do better because of that. He, he's, he's a good quarterback, not a great one. Can Kellen Moore take Justin Herbert to the next level, Mike T.? Absolutely. I think this team is going to be really hard to defend. As Key knows, like they have a basketball team out there with Quinton Johnston and Mike Williams. You put Keenan Allen in the slot, so I do like Kellen Moore, but I, I love the size of this receiver group. I just don't know of another opposing defensive backfield guys that are going to be able to match up with this Charger passing offense. So I think they had a good offseason, and they're going to be fun to watch on that side of the ball. The reason Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator – for the Chargers is because Dallas didn't want him to do it anymore. And they want to, the Chargers said, we need to push the football down the field more with these big trees at the receiver position on the perimeter. So that's what they're going to get. They're going to get with these three guys being able to push the ball down the field, 50 50 ball, something that they didn't do all that great the last couple of years under Joe Lombardi. So it, it should be fun to watch. Mike T, are you a, a big dog or a small dog kind of guy? Because that sounded like a big dog bark back there. Uh, uh, that's a small dog with a big bark. <laughs> we have a beautiful black lab. <laughs> She's guarding the perimeter right now. <laughs> respect. Respect. So, so you got an opinion on Kellen Moore, Jay? I, look, I, I think he's going to be able to help them out tremendously. I mean, uh, two different styles of quarterbacks from what Dak Prescott is to what Herbert is. So I, I think that allows him to open up his chest 
drawer a lot more, Max. Yeah, I, you know, whatever you think of Kellen Moore, let's say you think Kellen Moore is a low-average um, offensive coordinator in the NFL. He is an NFL offensive coordinator. That's better than they had. And, and just because of that, I think the Chargers are going to be a lot. But you know I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. All right. That was, uh, those were the answers to some of Graz's 32 QB questions. If you want to see them all, they're available now on ESPN.com and ESPN+. Plus. Thank you, Mike T., as always. Thanks, guys. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and a legend passed over the weekend. Not just, listen, Jim Brown, people talk about his greatness in football and and his – Uh, social activism, but beside all that, you know, there are a handful of people who you have an argument are the greatest athletes in recorded history. Jim Brown might be the greatest athlete who ever lived, like the greatest single athlete who ever lived before you even get to anything else. That's the kind of level of titan that we're talking about, Key. Yeah, oh, no question about it. I mean, but it's, it's to me... Having spent time with him and many, many hours throughout my life uh, with Jim Brown from here in Los Angeles to being on uh, President Clinton's uh, race panel with ESPN some time ago, being able to just have those interactions with him and talk to him about uh, society and where things were when he was growing up to where they are now, all of those sort of things is bigger than me than the sport in itself. Obviously, he was a great lacoste player at Syracuse as well as a football player in, in college as well as in the NFL. That speaks for itself. But just all the, the, the little things that he meant uh, to us as, as black men, um, trying to just understand where we fit in at. I thought, you know, I learned so much just having to be able to pick his brain and just be able to sit down and, and have one-on-one conversations some of it was bizarre. I mean, right? I mean, that's some some people's thinking's a little bit different, but whether it was or not, you still took something away from it, Jay. Um, that that gave you opportunity to to grow from there. I remember sitting down with it was uh it was Joe Morgan, myself, Jim Brown, President Clinton, and Jackie Jarn Kersey. And we, mm. we were in Houston, Texas. 
This was my third year, second to third year in, in the National Football League. I'm just a young dude with a big suit uh, amongst some titans in their industry. And being able to just sit down and understand where they were coming from and the conversation in front of millions of people, it was intimidating, but I took a lot from it and learned a lot from it. Mm. You know, I was reading his wife's Instagram post over the weekend, um, and she kind of said, you know, to the world he was an activist, an actor, and a football star, but to our family he was just a loving husband, father, and grandfather. You know, um, you know, for all the things key that sometimes, you know, a guy like Jim Brown, and obviously you, you said so eloquently about what he's meant to young black men and what he's meant to people across the country um, as an activist and as a player, when I hear those same sentiments being reflected or even echoed louder, Max, within the household, um, you know, I tip my hat to him even more because there's a lot of people that you meet in life who do incredible things, but you hear they they do these things, but then, you know, they leave other things that are kind of like missing, right? And you try to focus on the positive things, but when you see somebody that can be a great father, a great husband, all these things in their own household and do the things he did off the field, uh, on top of what he did playing on the field, it's incredible. The, Key, you brought up having conversations with him, and he'd say some, some crazy stuff, too, or some wilds. Jim Brown's legacy is not an easy one. It's a complicated one. But he was, not, he was again, maybe the greatest athlete who ever lived, arguably the greatest football player ever, greatest lacrosse player ever. <laughs> who was a high-level basketball player in high school and everything and was just absurd that way. By the way, even his father was a, a fighter, and when he retired, he was 30 years old, he wanted to fight Muhammad Ali. And, you know, and by the way, introduced Muhammad Ali to Bob Arum, Top Rank, which promotes boxing here at ESPN. Top Rank will tell you Jim Brown kind of was the most important figure in building the company in its history. I mean, other than, I guess, Bob Arum. Because he introduced Bob Arum to Muhammad Ali, and there's a story of Jim Brown wanting to fight Ali, building it up into a gate, because he could do anything, right? And, uh, and Ali was, asked him, hey, get hit me as hard as you want. And Jim Brown was just swinging at him, and Ali was making him miss everything and gave him a little one, just a tap-tap to let him know. Jim Brown was like, maybe I'm not a boxer, but could have been had he started earlier in life. And, was, and in terms of his activism, that athlete summit, with Muhammad Ali when he refused induction into the armed forces for Vietnam on religious grounds. You know, who showed up to that? That was an unpopular stance at the time. Who showed up to, who showed up to that one? Because not everyone did. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did. Jim Brown did. And you see Ali standing there with Kareem and, 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 and Jim Brown. It's like, oh, my God, at that point in history, maybe the three greatest to ever do it in their sport – and, and also special kind of men for standing up at a time for important stuff when it was unpopular to do so. Jim Brown was that kind of guy. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, he, he could unite so many different people and, and be able to sit down and just talk to him. He could, he could move, a, move a room with the best of them. Um, when Jim Brown walked in the room, it was like, you know, for, for, for me – Growing up as a kid, I mean, obviously, uh, all I remember, I don't remember the football part of him. I got to look at the highlights and things of that nature. But, you know, there was movies and stuff as a kid you got an opportunity to see. But as I became an adult, to be able to interact and be around him, to be able to see him move a room, 
it was it was amazing. Like that's oh man, that's Jim Brown. You know, like it's like I want to go talk to Jim Brown. Hold on, man. I'll talk to you later. That's the way things were. But he was so colorful in terms of his communication. Uh, in L.A., he brought the Crips and the Bloods together, which is heavy gangs, as people know. Tried to to balance that to get them to to, to stop the violence in the streets of L.A. Um, and he was able to do it for a period of time. He was literally able to do it for a period of time. They were listening to Jim Brown for an extended period of time, Jay. We talk about true gang members and gang bangers and criminals or whatever you want to call them, were able to listen to him and cease all negative behavior for a period of time. Key, did you have any moments, because I've had a couple, not with Jim Brown, never met him, but like with Bill Russell or John Wooden, where I just I had to stop for a second because listening to what they were saying was so impactful. Uh, did you have any moments with Jim where he would say something to you and you're just like, man, I never thought I'd be actually talking to Jim Brown and, and kind of use those words as wisdom? Well, the first interaction I had with him, again, was when I was on the, the panel uh, Race and Sports, ESPN and President Clinton put together. Um, and so this was our second second or third year in the league. It, so being able to have the conversation with him and just be able to sit down and talk about uh, the the racial components in sports, being able to hire people that look like you, being able to uh, understand the importance of those sort of things. So, yeah, I, I had those moments with him, but I had him at his house with him before. I've had him at other dinners with him before where you just sit there and you – what you gonna say? I mean, right? What you gonna say? You go listen. By the way, he was also a movie star. Like Jim Brown was a oh, legit yeah. movie star, a oh, leading yeah. man. My yeah. fav- one of my favorite scenes in the history of movies was in Any Given Sunday, where he and Lawrence Taylor are talking in the bathroom. I'm like, damn, the two best players on either side of the ball in the history of football talking to each other on the big screen is, you know, Jim Brown has an incredible legacy. And uh, we're remembering him today. More KJM coming right up. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.